Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the insights with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and I'm seeing you every week. I have here my two co-hosts, Art Holton and Paul Lewis. Hey, guys. Hey there. How's it going? Very good. Good, good. Traveling. I am traveling. I'm absolutely traveling. As you can see behind me, I am at the Great Blue Mountain Resort. Um, getting some sun and some pond. There's no sea here. Uh, Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving weekend, which is a respectable distance away from uh, Christmas. Unlike other countries who have a very tight and close, you might as well call it the same vacation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We could take a month off? I'm totally doing that this year. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking everything after Thanksgiving off for the rest of the year. 2020 needs to end. So I saw a funny comment this morning. Was that? I saw a funny comment this morning. It was um, God talking to the Archangel Gabriel. And so God wants a progress report and he comes to Gabriel and he says, so um, how's the rollout of the tragedies for the 2020s going? <laughs> and Gabriel goes, uh, did, did you say 2020s plural? Yeah, yeah, the whole decade. How's it going? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you seriously just throw a whole decade's worth of tragedy at them in one year? Nice. I thought that was so appropriate for, for how 2020 has been so far. So I could see that and we still have months to go. No, we don't. It's done. It's over. I've declared. <laughs> <laughs> this year ends on October 15th and we just start January 1, 2021 on, a, on what would normally be October 16th. We can. I need more, uh, I need more days to get to my, uh, to get to my button. <clears throat> oh, I'm not going to hit, I'm not going to hit any, any, any status that expires at the end of this year will not be renewed for next year. I will not hit it. Sad. Are you yeah, supposed, to get, are you supposed to get your lounge access or your free, uh, your free amenity kit? Well, since the lounges are pretty much closed every place I go, I don't know how much it's really going to matter. <laughs> and, and I would say that's unfortunate. So I, I did have the opportunity to travel a little bit this, this last week. Um, the United lounges seem to be at, at, at minimum 50% closed. So if the, if the airport has two, one will be open. Otherwise the lounges are closed, which I find to be, you know, a tad frustrating. Uh, let's see how many nights. Nope, not gonna hit it. Um, the hotels kind of have a, you're lucky to have a room attitude, especially if you're not staying at one of the, the high-end marquees. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting. Like my hotel lost power for some amount of time. And when the power came on, half of the lights didn't work. The house phone didn't work. The internet didn't work. The TV didn't work. And I didn't find this out till the next morning, but apparently there was no hot water either. Wow. Yeah. Hot water heaters stopped. So needless to say, I was a little fr <laughs> frustrated by, by that. Um, and every one of the access points, like if you went on the wireless and tried to connect, all of the access points were in recover.me WAP mode, right? So they all lost their config. <laughs> Which tells me maybe if you're in an area that has thunderstorms, you probably should invest in a UPS. Right. Which should suggest they weren't keeping the lights on. Is this your segue? That's absolutely what I set out to do with segue. <laughs> Wasn't just what's a random rant. <laughs> keeping the lights on, what does it really take to keep the lights on? We hear that a lot. We need to keep the lights on. What the heck does that mean? 
from an executive standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a company standpoint? Clearly, as a technology leader, keeping the lights on is a pretty substantial part of your role, right? Uh, it's ensuring that the systems are up. It's ensuring that uh, the projects are delivered. It's ensuring that the applications are accessible. It's ensuring that if there was a failure, one could actually recover from it. Um, but it isn't It isn't the poor cutting, right? It's not the thing you undersource. It's not the thing that you provide your junior staff to. In fact, arguably, the most important thing to which IT is doing, which is why we have to think about and talk about the actual definition of it. Is it about blinking lights in the data center or is it about something else? And I think Howard started out with the exact perfect example of what the keep the lights on actually means in IT versus how we sometimes interpret it. I, I think we often interpret it actually as the hotel example instead of what the hotel should have done. Right. I, I think the way vendors interpret it is um, keep the lights on. Oh, so you're going to do the bare minimum necessary to eke through another year as though all of a sudden our budget went to 20% of its spend, right? Right. Because somehow 80% of our spend is in innovation when, when nothing could be further from the truth, right? We only have two things. We have innovation and sustaining. I don't even like the term keep the lights on, right? Because the, it, it, it kind of minimizes the fact that that's where we, where we spend most of our care, most of our concern. And in a, the problems in innovation tend not to keep me up at night. Problems in sustaining will wake me up at night, right? If the new, if, if our, our new social media app goes down that we've just started to roll out in beta, as CIO, I may not get a call. Like I'll probably find out about it tomorrow at some point. Somebody will say, oh yeah, that thing crapped again. But the reality is if our website goes down, if our main customer portal goes down, I'm going to get a phone call at 3 a.m. that's going to wake me up. Right? Someone's going to want to know why. We have often said there's no such thing as a CTO emergency, but there's quite often a CIO emergency. Correct. Correct. <laughs> One little difference makes a huge difference in the ability to get a nap. <laughs> right. right? Like, Go a little bit into that. What will make the difference in that? Why a CIO will get the call and not the CTO? So it's not a, a hard and fast rule, right? But, but logically, I want the CIO to deal with the sustainability of the technology efforts. It's the primary concern. The CTO, I really want to be looking ahead at, where, at how to execute on the technology strategy. Right. So the CTO really shouldn't have under their control the things we did yesterday that have been working well. They really should have what are the innovations that we're looking at bringing to the market. Yeah, there are CTOs that, that have INO. One would argue they're just VPs of INO, right? <laughs> Assuming that the INO is actually outside of them and under and they're more of an engineering organization, architectural organization. Uh, then that's 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 where that definition lies. It's really the big difference between run the bank and build the bank, right? Run the bank, big part, if not bigger part of the budget than anything else. And it means a lot, right? It means keeping the ATMs up. It means making sure one can cash a check. It means making sure that mortgages can get approved. It means making sure that the online banking environment um, is actually readily available 724 with no outages and no performance response. 
like that is pretty substantial. So if if the CTO is worried about a blockchain implementation that went in production and it's not actually doing what it needs to do, oh hum. But if in fact uh, one can't get money out of their bank account in the middle of the day, that's a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so let's 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 roll back for just one second. Just take a like a, a little asterisk. Um, I and O. Let's define I and O for those listeners who who haven't worked in that seat. You start. In <laughs> infrastructure and operations. Yeah. Right. That's the business of keeping IT running. A CTO really shouldn't have infrastructure and operations. Otherwise, it's CTO and title only. Yeah. Right. Now, a CTO very well may have software developers working under them. But, but those software developers really are focused on the innovation portion of the business. And, and while they'll continue to sustain, new software releases are part of innovation. And so that, that does in fact make logical sense. But the chances that a CTO, that, that a CTO of a major corporation is gonna be woken up at 3 a.m. because some change didn't get implemented properly and you need to roll back, I, I hope that's not happening. I hope somebody else is gonna, I mean, he may get yelled at the next day or she may get yelled at the next day, right? But so let's take your exact example, because I think it's interesting to double click on what we would perceive there's the difference between how some people would describe keep the lights on in that situation and how it really should be defined. And if I if I had defined it differently, would have I had a different outcome. Right? So in this circumstance, it sounds like the minimum standard of keep the lights on was. In other words, you still had uh, accessibility to your room at that point but you in fact were not a satisfied guest. You didn't have access to what you would have considered the base functions of this room, i.e. lighting, i.e. a television, i.e. internet. Correct, the base functions of the room are, the lights worked in the room, right? So base function, right? The electricity came out of the wall. That's, right. I would say that's necessary. Right. Um, the bed was clean, there was no, there was no leakage um, and I could control the lighting. That's, I would say that's equally important, right? If I can't control the lighting, I can't sleep. Sure. Whatever that means to me, right? I need to be able to do that. Um, and I had running water, sure. right? I would say those are the minimum requirements necessary to secure a room. Now, that does kind of beg the question, and was that what I, were those the minimum requirements I had when I entered into the arrangement with the hotel chain? And I would argue no, because that's the minimum requirements I have at a Motel 6. Um, <laughs> But it is the difference between the hotel needs to find me different accommodations and I'm a little bit grumpy. I'm okay being a little bit grumpy. I mean, frankly, I'm okay with the hotel finding me a different spot to be at as well, but, but this was just a little bit grumpy. Um, but if we look at it from the perspective of kind of keep the lights on, right? The goal is to not have those failures occur and to spend some amount of money to mitigate the risk of those failures. Would you agree? Like, that's why we have DR. That's why we have backup systems. That's why we have failovers. That's why we have all these things. Um, and, and I would argue that in this case, the hotel failed. And they failed in one simple way. It was painfully obvious, especially with the wireless, that the failure was in a failure to adequately insulate from electrical issues. Because as soon as the electricity went out, which, you know, a surge, a spike, a dropout, a brownout, it doesn't matter what it was, 
Um, none of the things that required a, required internet connect, connectivity came back up. And for the record, for the rest of the day, I didn't know this till I till I got home. For the rest of the day, they could not receive phone calls. No one could call the hotel. If you tried, it said, "I'm sorry, that number is no longer in service." Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I, because they, they couldn't they couldn't check me out properly either. I, I they couldn't give me a a, a bill when I left. Wow. Right, because everything was down. And the fact of the matter is um, a decent UPS system, which at this point is one of the lowest cost things you can have at that scale, would have mitigated that issue, right? Which is kind of the bare minimum, right? I mean, to solve that, I would have used PoE wireless access points, a PoE power switch, and a UPS to secure all of, make sure all of the stuff stayed up and online. And I tested it before to see what would happen if, in fact, if I stopped all electricity coming into this building. Correct. How long would it take and what are the sequence of events I need to do to bring it back up? And I think that's the big difference between the two definitions. There is a definition, or at least a potentially a colloquial one, of keep the lights on as meaning bare minimum or IT floor of work. And then there's keep the lights on is actually keeping the lights on of revenue, keeping the lights on of profitability, which means uh, minimum expectation of a customer versus minimum expectation of IT. And we never mean the first one, ever, ever. We never mean the first one. If you ever hear an executive, an IT executive say, we're just doing, keeping the lights on, they don't mean we're, we're, we've hit the IT floor and we're just aiming for IT floor. Because IT floor actually means we're going through a bankruptcy. We're hoping someone can acquire us out of this bankruptcy. Right. But you won't get to talk to a CIO because if they're in a bankruptcy, it's the network engineer that's still working. It's the storage engineer that's still <laughs> working. Like, you know, the CIO has long since departed because why, why would you keep that person around to see you through a bankruptcy? Like the fact is we never mean that when we say keep the lights on. What we mean is we're no longer investing in innovation, but we're doing everything necessary to sustain business at or above the level needed to deal with the risks we expect to have happen in our day-to-day -day lives. Right. So what percentage of your IT was this? Give or take. I'm 80%. sure it's 80%. So it would include what function? everything that wasn't new everything that wasn't new. i mean i don't know how to define it any tighter than that right if i rolled you it, in, if it was in production sorry say that again any project you were not capitalizing fell under people correct anything that was not at version zero point something right right if it was version one it's in production and it's running it's version one it's part of sustaining it's part of keeping the lights on now, industry by industry, does it differ, do you think? Does a hospital think differently than a construction site, differently than no. a bank? No, I mean, I mean, I think like if you go into hardcore keep the lights on mode, what that what that means is I'm 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 probably gonna stretch my assets. That is the one thing that becomes true. I'm probably going to stretch my assets. I it doesn't mean I'm not spending. It just means if if I would normally replace my array at the end of a three-year lease, I'll probably keep it for a fourth year. Right. If um, if I've got a support contract or I can renew a support contract for a year and the cost on not doing I'm not a, I'm not doing a replacement is relatively low. 
I'll probably do that. Like I, I do start to become a little bit more tight around, especially those things that require people. Because the chances are, if I'm in keeping the lights on mode only, I'm probably not getting additional investment for humans. Since I'm always running a tight ship on, on the amount of hours that I have in a day, I'm probably going to avoid those projects or I'm probably going to push those projects that require a lot of, of interaction by my people. Right. So like if, if I'm going to replace a, if I'm going to do a massive VMware upgrade and it requires six of my guys to do migrations and rebuilds for six weeks, probably going to push that off. Right. I'll probably see if I can, if I can, if what the sustainability is of that hardware, if I can, if I can stretch it for a little bit. But if I'm running on a version of, of ESX where VMware says, hey, um, we're end of support in, in 60 days, it's getting replaced and I'm likely to replace the hardware at the same time. And the same is true for any, other, any of my other assets that I consider to be production assets, right? Yeah, I may stretch, but I'm not gonna stretch into what I would consider the danger zone, right? And, it, and honestly, it becomes a really good time. If somebody's in keeping the lights on mode, it becomes a really good time to talk to them about what other financial models you have that can help accomplish both things. Because I, I may not be doing it simply because I don't need to, but if you come to me and say, okay, so renewing support on that thing that's already six years old for a seventh year is gonna cost you 85% of a new array or 50% of a new array. What if we switched you to a, to a, um, a cloud style model where you're only a consumption model where you're only paying for what you use it would take two and a half years just to pay, you know, before you've hit the dollar amount of just your seventh year of support. Oh, then I'm very likely to say, yeah, let's do that. Right. I, I think financially it changes the balance between how much effort is focused on cost savings versus how much effort is focused on cost avoidance. Right. In a in a growth setting, it's about how do I find money in my budget to do some new interesting things, i.e., cost savings. But if I'm really pushing, keeping the lights on, it's about saying, how do I stretch out this infrastructure, this software, another couple of years to avoid having to make that change, avoiding having to make another purchase, avoid having to hire more people. Yeah, uh, that's kind of the distinct difference financially between them. you. You rebalance your attention. I, I almost, I, I, I kind of think that you should always start with cost avoidance rather than cost savings. Because I think cost savings oftentimes is, it's funny math, right? The, right. the fact, the the fact is, is, right? You're currently paying X per month and the new price is X minus seven per month. Okay, now it's an easy, the math's easier. Sure, but it's never that. It's you're currently paying um, X per month. Um, under the new model, you'll, you'll be paying X minus 10 However, you'll have to make an X plus 35 investment to get to X minus 10. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like that initial investment tends to be the problem. And the reality is, if I start with cost avoidance, that thing is going to cost you more money. This is how we avoid the, the balloon payment effectively. And every single thing we have, certainly in our data center, has a balloon payment associated with it. Right. Then it's a conversation I can understand. Okay, so now we're just talking about shifting the point at which... I'm going to have to, to make a change. Okay, I could probably, like, we could talk about that. That's a discussion I'll have. And then let, let, the, let the executive say, what I'm really trying to do is a cost savings measure. I need to get my run rate for this thing down to 85% of what it's currently at. Okay, so now let's talk about what that cost savings actually looks like. So you can fund other things. So you can, you know, 
make your operating budget fit into the boxes you want your operating budget to be. And it's rarely direct, right? It's rarely, if I don't do this project, I will save or avoid why. It's usually a combination of a variety of things I need to do. I might need to reallocate a resource, choose to purchase or not purchase. And sometimes it's actually purchasing where this new thing is in fact cheaper than paying maintenance on the old thing. Yeah. And oftentimes those are by a factor. Yeah. And um, don't assume that I'm dumb. Right? Because I saw that a lot where it's like, no, 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 I'm going to stop paying for this thing. I'm going to switch over to this other thing that I can do the same thing with. Okay, cool. So it'll be 85% of what you paid for the other thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. The market rate is 25 to 40%. Right. Like, don't overly complicate the new thing just because you can see me saving a dollar. I know how many dollars I'm going to save and I know how many dollars I want to save. Why don't you try asking what the budget is for the new thing? Because the old budget isn't going to matter at that point. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like, my expectation is I'm going to pay Y for it, not X. So, so right there, you just mentioned something interesting that the people that are listening to this, how should somebody approach that conversation? And let's take it both sides. Somebody internal that will be doing the support, will be helping you maintain everything working, but also from somebody from outside bringing a new solution because the solution is going to be presented because they make a connection with somebody inside. If you, if you mentioned ESX, they make a connection with the server team. If it's storage, they make a connection to the storage team. So you mentioned the budget that it was there doesn't mean anything now with the new one. How should that be approached? Ask the question. And, and and I don't care whether you're internal or external, ask the question and answer the question, right? Like you should not be afraid to say, I have X budget for this project. It involves more than just your piece, but I have X budget for this project. If you've, if you've, if you've made a budget internally and you've determined you have $300,000 for the compute portion of your new ESX farm, say, I have $300,000 and this is my expectation. For three hundred thousand dollars, you're going to spend three hundred thousand dollars. You're not looking to spend two hundred and ten thousand. You're looking to spend three hundred. That's your budget, right. right? So just say that's my budget, yeah. right? And when they say, "Okay, cool, we've come back at three fifty, you go, "Cool, I'm not spending three fifty. I told you three hundred, right? I promise you won't have to do that too many times with a vendor. That's right. And I don't think it's ever occurred. Maybe it's possible. I just didn't see the actual. Example, but I don't think it's ever occurred in front of me where it wasn't actually technically possible, where the budget was so low that what I needed couldn't actually be purchased or resolved or implemented. Uh, it happened today. It, it happened today. Yeah. So the customer was going from zero. They literally had no idea of what they were doing, how they were doing it. And now they want to go to just a one-on-one -on -one level. Right? They want to now start measuring what they're producing. Um, they want to start tracking uptime. They want to start doing all of these things, right? And, and, and I hate to say it, but, but although those sound like the simplest things, that's also the most expensive point. Because right. we're not iterating, iterating at that point. It is a complete revolution of how we do things. Right. Their budget, the, the budget they had in mind was something like 50 grand versus really a million and a half. Right. right? And, and we're not off by a little bit. Right. There's no percentage of discount. No. <laughs> no. No. 
And, and, and at that point, you kind of have to go, well, one or the other of us have a different idea about what we're doing. Right. Right. And, and it really, you know, the, the disappointing part is I think, I think when that happens, customers get dismissive. Like, I think we get dismissive. Okay. Well, you're just too expensive. What I like to do instead is I like to double click. I like to go, okay, so we are way off. How about you tell me why we're so far off? Because really, as the vendor, you probably know what I'm missing. You right. probably know, and, and the chances are pretty good that, I, that, that this is something I've decided to do. This is something I need to do. And no one really understands the context in, to, in, in totality enough to have a nuanced budget conversation. And so tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. Right. Let's let's get on the same page. And if I have to go back and ask for more money, I'll go back and ask for more money. I don't mind that conversation and going, yeah, okay, like we're not doing that for 50 grand. Exactly. Like clearly there's either something I didn't consider um, or I didn't appreciate that um, the complexity of the of the request. Yeah. But do keep in mind it is also likely that I've had another vendor say that they can do that. Right. It doesn't mean they can. But it's likely that I've had another vendor tell me they can do that. Right. And be prepared to, 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 to distinguish the difference between the two. C correct. Between correct. what you're likely going to offer and what you actually require to be delivered. Yeah. And, and this is not an opportunity to vendor bash. Don't ever do that. Not for any reason. It's not going to make me your friend. Right. Right. Yeah. And, the, and there's, there's a very, very big reason why that's true. It has nothing to do with technology. It has everything to do with the relationship. You have absolutely no idea how, what I think of the account executive at that other event. He could literally be my best friend. Could have stood up with me at my wedding. You have no idea. <laughs> yep. And it never makes you look good. It never makes your product look better. No. Right? Ever, ever, ever. Just tell me what you do, how you do it, and why it costs what it does. That's the totality of the competition. Don't worry about the rest of it. It never makes you look good to do vendor bashing. Um, and for the most part, I'll escort you from the building. And if you describe to me what you think I need, and then I come back to you with, I actually don't require all of those things. Not only did I consider it, I determined that I didn't require it. I just need this one niche little function. Um, if you can't deliver me this one niche little function amongst your portfolio, that's fine too. At least now I understand that. Or at the very least, I understand where my roadmap is. Yeah. Plus, um, it's a utility bot. It's not a platform. Now I know plus that. The, the difference between the conversations is really awesome because um, one of them is just, we. it's a light switch. We flip it off, right? Okay, cool. We're not on the same page. Okay, cool. I'm out of here. Bye. Okay. You're not going to be invited back for the next one. Like you're going to start from zero. But if we go through a nuanced conversation and then I go, oh, I, I don't actually need all of that. I just need this one little thing. And you go, the way we're built, I can't actually just deliver that one little thing. Like it's a package. It's built that way on purpose. Okay, cool. Um, like you were then invited back for everything in the future because you were honest with me. You helped educate me. I now understand my requirements better, like the box that I'm in far better. Um, and it doesn't even matter if you come back later and it's not even, and it's not within the same context. I'm still going to invite you back next time. Hey, I more think these guys could probably do this. Can you invite them back in? Let's have another conversation. Even more interesting if in that meeting, you actually talk about the other solutions that probably fit the bill. Right. That you don't sell. Like, that would be great. Like, maybe I didn't consider these other vendors that also did the same thing. That might even be more functional for the same price. Yeah. So 
I think that we have heard something similar in the last three podcasts that we have uh, gone through. And it's the idea of offering solutions even you are not the preferred vendor. So keeping the lights on, you're mentioning that for those that are listening or watching this, that as an executive, you will value that relationship when they bring you something, even when they cannot serve you right now. Did I get that correct? 100%. 100%. Yeah. And what I'd expect from the vendors for, for them to understand what keep the lights on actually means for me. In okay. other words, who my customers are, what they expect from me, who my supply chain is, how much I require them to deliver my services, my value propositions. These are all part and parcel of what keep the lights on actually means for me. And not to not to second grade citizen projects or functions of people that fall in that category. No, it's the majority of my budget. And and frankly, the the vendors that I'm gonna choose, when, when I say um, we're we're gonna go to keep the lights on mode, which I, I don't say I'll say sustain mode. Um, what that means is not that I'm not spending money, but now I'm I'm shifted and now really focus on cost avoidance with me. Right. Talk to me about how I can gain efficiencies within the things I consider core to my business and really focus on people. Because as soon as I do that, now what I'm really looking for is advisors. We talk about trusted advisor a lot. And on this podcast, I think we talk about it more than almost any other podcast. But the fact is, if you're not telling me how I, if you're not giving me the benefit of all the totality of your experience and all you're doing is answering yes to everything I ask, you're not a trusted advisor. Well, and what I mean, take the lights on. Let me give you an example of two workflows, right? Two sales flows. Sales flow number one, um, I buy a million dollars worth of your stuff. We work together, we install it, we have a joint opportunity to deliver value, um, but I'm not gonna buy another version of this stuff for another three years. You say nothing to me for three years until this comes up and I are IRP and you participate in that response as appeared to everybody else. The other flow is we come together, we uh, implement this new technology to solve this problem. And every quarter from that point forward for the next three years, you're creating more capability for me. You're telling me what features might be make sense for the situation. You're educating my people on a quarterly basis of lunch and learn. You're making sure that my use of the thing that I bought is maximized. When that three year comes up, I now don't consider other vendors. I just want another version of what you have. Correct. Correct. If I'm not legally re- at the end of three years for situation two, if I'm not legally required to have an RFP, I will not have an RFP. I will simply renew to the new version of your thing. Correct. Because I've, I've made the investment. I've made a continuing three-year investment. The first one is a one-year investment. Oh, sorry, a one-time investment that happens to clock out after three years. I can also guarantee in the first one, someone else has already talked to me. I guarantee every other primary vendor that I have for anything has talked to me about what your thing is that's been sitting for three years. Guaranteed. And I don't care about it. Because you've shown that it's just a thing that got dropped in to solve a problem. It has no sustaining value. In the second example, you've shown me that that the relationship has sustaining value. I also can guarantee what at the end of the second one, what I'm using it for at the end of three years 
is not what I started with. It's evolved into five in 500 different ways. And I may not have bought much. Like I may have spent another 150, 200 grand on the solution, right? Evolved it from one, 1 million to 1.2 million. However, it's become so much more integral to what we do. And my people are so much more aware of it when they're thinking about what they're doing, they're probably considering, hey, is this thing the right thing for it? And I may have, I may now at the end of three years, I may go, okay, cool. So not only are we gonna renew this thing, but I actually want it to be four times bigger because I've put off renewing these other three things because I was aware of the new thing you were making and now, and I know it can do all these other things and my team is super comfortable with it. So now what you thought you were gonna hopefully maybe renew at 800K because stuff gets cheaper over time, I wanna renew at 4.4 million. And you've actively avoided talking to other competitors. Because, because I'm getting too much attention. I'm getting so much attention from this person. I, I don't require three other opinions. And there's not enough time in the day for me to get the attention on all the things I need. Right. I want to be really clear about it. There's not enough time in the day for me to really get an accurate picture of the totality of the market. So if I don't have to worry about your vertical slice of it, and I can spend more time learning about these things. I have zero concern over this. I'm just going to do that again. Right. I don't have to think about it again. Like, like, let's be honest, right? You don't replace SAP. Nobody replaces Exchange. <laughs> Office 365 isn't really a replacement of Exchange. It's a different way to run Exchange. Right. So if somebody came in tomorrow and said, hey, we, we'd like to talk to you about Lotus Notes. Not that I think anybody would do that. You would go, no. Right. I'm not even going to entertain the conversation. And it's, it's that way because, frankly, I get everything I need out of exchange. I don't have time to know about everything else that's in my environment to the totality of the market. I'm going to spend zero amount of time on exchange. And the reality is Office 365 has been so valuable because Microsoft came in and said, hey, we've got Office 365. 99% of us, the first time they came in, said no. The second time they came back, though, we'd had a year to think about all of the time exchange went down and how many people I have devoted to maintaining it. And, and then we went, okay, cool. What does it look like if I, wanted to, if I wanted to move to that and how much of my user workflow will change? And they went, well, you're still using Outlook. The difference is what server points at and we're gonna do auto discover. So it really doesn't matter. There's gonna be a migration period, but we've got free tools to do that. And if you don't like our free tools, we'll even pay for the, for the third party tools because they're a, they're a certified partner. We'll throw some partner money at them. It'll be fine. And, and all of us went, oh, how much more is it going to cost? And they went, eh, like three bucks per user. Cool. I don't care about that amount of money. Get this damn thing out of my hair. And, right. and then it freed up even more time to double click on stuff that wasn't exchange. And I've heard zero people go, yeah, we've got, we've got 22,000 people on Office 365. We're thinking about going to Google Apps. <laughs> right. I've heard a couple that were like, we're 800 people. We're thinking about going to Google. You know what I also heard last week? Every one of them is going back. Right. Because Google changed their pricing model again. It's now more expensive than, than, than Microsoft, and I get none of the enablement benefits. And uh, them owning all the content and rights to use the analytics of that yeah. content. Yeah. So, so if I were to summarize the last few minutes, I would say uh, you know, a vendor, a partner, a provider should actually endeavor to become keep the lights on. That should be, in fact, a goal. So much more money there. <laughs> that should be the goal. Like there's interesting innovation projects that, you know, a good portion of the time are one time. <laughs> and then there are keep the lights on that is a returning, most important thing I think about as a CIO kind of equipment software capability. Set. You want to be that set. You don't want to be innovation set. 
Yeah. So you know where the ROI never fails? Never fails and keep the lights on because I know what it cost me to run it today. Right. I'm just looking at your run rate versus the other guy's run rate or the relation, the value of the relationship, in which case I don't care so much about the run rate. But in innovation, I really care about the ROI. And why don't innovation products projects go anywhere? Because the ROI didn't work out. So I just shit can it. And all of that expansion you thought you were going to get isn't going to happen. Sorry, it's innovation. That's the risk you take. Go to keep the lights on. I've got 80% of my budget there, all of my focus there. I know what my run rate is today. So you have a baseline of what it's going to cost. I know how many failures there have been in the last 12 months on every single thing. So you have a baseline for reliability. I can tell you how we use it and give you the run books of everything. So you can make sure that your stuff is compatible. Keep the lights on is definitely the place to be. And it's where I'm going to invest 80% of my time. And any featured function you add going forward is for the purpose of making that better making keeping the lights on even more efficient. Um, uh, delighting the customer for that client significantly more than you currently are now. It's not about because that feature is better in some way, faster, cheaper. It's because it's actually providing more value to your Plus, um, if you add a feature for keep the lights on that would be useful in innovation, guess what? It's a two for one. I'm then going to turn, turn to you for that piece of innovation. I'm probably not going to do it the other way around. I'm probably not going to go, hey, that thing that we're trying to get an ROI on also has a 20% overlap with, with our sustainability projects. So let's move it into sustainability. Probably not going to happen. But if I go, hey, that, that thing that I'm using for sustainability also has a 20% applicability and in innovation, I'll probably look at it for that. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant point. So let's say you sell product X for use case one. But that, in fact, product X could be used for use case two, three, four, and five. Um, and I've already bought it and installed and used. My people already know it. I'm much more likely to choose that than product Y. Yep. Well, this is a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been a really good one. And it connects to the one that we did last week about communication and how to connect and how important it is. This, we just uh, touching a couple of points that are very important to keep the lights on. Relationship is important. It's not so much about the product is how do you help me to keep serving my customers internal and external. And if you can help me with that, we just heard that's where the money is. So my friends, make sure that you subscribe, you share this and pay attention. Remember, we want to grow as leaders, but we need to learn from all the leaders that have gone through experience. So we'll see you on our next episode.